Welcome to the family with Tevin Pittman, Alex Bernard Rasmussen, the physically exhausted Catherine Brandt, mm. Melissa Bernard, Andy Brandt Bernard, and Mike Bryant. Why are you physically exhausted? Yeah, My father is going to. Do you have to carry him around all weekend or something? <laughs> I, I, I might have to. No idea. That's the first what time it's like in her dealing life with him. when we had that opening, I said, why are you worn out? And she would go, I'm married to you. Every That's what I was time. expecting. Every time. I never want to deliver the line that you think I will. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I always want point. to do and something a little toes. different. We'll be right back. Alan Zweibel will join us uh, here today, starring Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish. It was co-written by Billy and Alan, but inspired by a short story written by Alan titled The Prize. Here today is in theaters now, and we'll talk to Alan right after this with the family. Do you want to do a live spot? Yeah, sure. All right. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant. How are we doing today? Eh, you know, I'm on <laughs> radio. How do you think I'm doing? Well, we're out in the roads. We see people using their cell phones and speeding. So, again, it's a reminder. Slow down. Get your cell phones out of your hands while you're driving. We were just I was just talking about that to a, uh, to a Navy SEAL who wrote a book about how people better get their heads out. Because if you keep walking around looking at your phone, you're going to get robbed, killed, whatever. You can't keep yourself that vulnerable. That is not a good idea. Well, the evidence says when you look at your phone, it's like driving a whole football field with your with the blindfold on. Ugh. That's a long distance. A lot can happen during that time period. Yeah, no doubt about that. So what are we going to do? Well, it's against the law, first of all. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. But nobody cares. Well, some people care, but there are a group of people that have gone back to not caring and on their phones, and they're just driving along like nothing matters. Okay, I have a cheap prick question. Okay. Why don't you get that automatic uh, deal in your car where just the, your phone connects to your car and you don't have to touch your phone? Well, that's what a lot of cars have. Yeah, and cheap so, bastard. Well, these people still want to get them in their hands. They still want to text. They still want to do they things do. with them. You're and right. they're also going too fast. There's, yeah, It's oh. amazing how many people you see going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And one of the points you guys made last week was cars aren't made to go 100, no, 100 miles an hour. So. You know, that's just, a problem. Yeah, just because they can go 100 doesn't mean you should be driving them 100 miles an hour. Not a good plan at all. So, walzer.com. Walzer on the motor No! Michael Bryant. Brad Sean Bryant. Tommy, it's quiz time. Ooh, I love quiz time. Let me guess. Breck called and they want their diploma back. Easy. I earned that fair and square. In fact, it's right. Ah, well, look what you made me do. Sorry. So what's the question? So you've heard about the new car inventory shortages, right? Yeah, you've mentioned it about a million times. Guess how many 2021 Rogues we have in stock at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan? Mm, seven. Close. The actual number is 209. A lot of Nissan dealers are really low, but we're in good shape for the next month or so. So there's no reason to hurry? That's not great messaging. How about don't dawdle? There's a word you don't hear often there, Monty Burns. Yeah, funny. Anyway, the all-new 2021 Rogue is a great vehicle, and we're lucky enough to have a bunch. We've got great leases, and they all come with Walzer Care, which is a 10-year warranty for free. But wait, there's more. Read this. Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan want your trade and will give you an extra $1,000. That's pretty cool. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or WalzerNissan.com for details. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we provide a unique experience for our business banking customers that can't be found at the big banks. Our customers appreciate our high-touch, high-tech approach where they get all the benefits of working with a local bank. Our team will get to know your business and its unique challenges while still offering all of the online and mobile banking options you will find at the big banks. Also, when your business banks with North American Banking Company will be working with an experienced team of lenders who know this marketplace and will be ready to help your business capitalize on any opportunity or solve any problem. You add it all up, North American Banking Company is a better banking experience. <clears throat> Excuse me, you uh, do mind if I jump in here? Well, Tommy, if you feel the need, go ahead. <sighs> Amateurs. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Oh, Dougie, rocking out. That's all I know. He's working on it. Dad's been looking at the clock. I just want to make sure that it's anxiety right level now. rising. No, no, anxiety, no. not at all. What will we do? 
Ladies and gentlemen, here today, starring Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish, co-written by Billy and Alan Zweibel, was inspired by a short story written by Alan titled The Prize. Here today is in theaters now, and with us right now is Alan himself. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you doing? Marvelous talking to you again. Now, before we launch into talking about here today and, and life in general, we just had a vote because the show just started. I was brought up on the show by a guest last week. We've been discussing blonde women with chiclet teeth <laughs> and then brunettes with no chins. I don't know how it came up, Alan, but we need your vote on it. Okay, so give me the choice again. Okay, it's blonde <laughs> women with chiclet teeth, you know, the square teeth. And right. brunette women with no chin. Gotta go with the blonde, don't you? That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Good job, Alan. Good job. You gotta go with I the mean, blonde. It, you know, chiclet teeth is one thing, but if there's a lot you can do with a chin, and if you don't have one, what's the point? <laughs> That's right. You can probably stick implants in there nowadays, I would oh, guess. Yeah, I'm Signet sure. plant in here. Do something. About, Alan just made a great point. How would Rodan's The Thinker look without a chin? This is true. Think about that. An age-old question. It's not going to work. Alan, how are you? It's great to have you on the show again. Uh, it's great to be here. How are you doing? Um, I'm thrilled to be here again. Well, I tell you what, we're having a good time. And by the way, could you pick a guy with any more talent than Billy Crystal? Well, you know, I've been really, really lucky um, through the years having some wonderful, um, you know, co-writers, you know, whether they be Gilda or, or, or Radner or uh, sure. Gary Shanling or Martin Short, Dave Barry, Larry David. Billy is, um, you know, he and I go back to 1974. That's when we met, when we were both starting out at the clubs here in New York. He's Uncle Billy to the kids, and, um, uh, you know, there's a shorthand there. When we did uh, collaborated to do 700 Sundays, the, the Broadway show, sure. yep. uh, the, one of Tony, you know, we, we, there's just a natural shorthand, and it's inspiring to work with a guy like that because he can do so many things, you know. So ordinarily, you'd say this to a co-writer, if you're writing with somebody for them, you'd say, okay, how about, you know, and try to, you know, ex extend their boundary. Billy's the one who does that. He looks at something, he goes, all right, let me try that. You know, he's mm -hmm. just uh, incredibly um, multifaceted. He is, and, and by the way, uh, Billy was on, God, I guess it was about a year ago, he was on the show. Had a great time talking to him, but but I will never forgive him because the rest of my life, every time I use the word, I'm going to do Billy Crystal when I go, what? <laughs> I loved when he did that. So, what? That's, that's really funny. I know. It There's is. certain things that stay with you from certain people. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I can understand that totally. I remember, what was his character that he did? What, he went, you look marvelous. You did that oh, for two Lama. years. Yeah, <laughs> Every time he saw anybody, look. he said, you look I marvelous. I did. I stole it from him, Alan. She's <laughs> that's my wife. She's absolutely Every right. Time. Yeah, you were into it. I love Billy Crystal. What a talent that man. Oh, that year, Christopher Guest and Billy Crystal on Saturday Night Live, forget about it. Nothing's ever going to be better. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. You sounded yeah, sure. like my mother when you said that. I was, uh, no, 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 no. I was kidding around, but you know, the first five years were pretty good too. Yeah, no, no. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about that. But I just, they're so supremely talented. Whether it's oh waiting. no, listen, look. I mean, I'm, I'm teasing. I mean, I was a guest writer about two or three times. While that cast was there, I had left the show in 1980. Mm -hmm. They came along, I guess, 85-ish, 86-ish. And if a, a host liked a particular writer, uh, that writer came on and was a guest writer for that week. So I did that two or three times. Eddie Murphy asked me, um, when, when I do uh, Gary Shandling, uh, I guess Philly had already left by then. Mm -hmm. But there was a couple times that I did that, and it was incredibly inspiring when you got Martin Shaw, Chris Gass, Billy, you know, it just kept on going. And um, I'm wondering, was Larry David on that year? I think maybe. I think he was, but yeah. he couldn't, he was a writer and he couldn't get a sketch on. 
Yep. I, that's right. Wow. I, yeah, you're, he was a writer, and he couldn't get any of his sketches on, which is hilarious. We're talking uh, Alan's eye. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the movie's called Here Today, but I also want to mention Alan's memoir, Laugh Lines, My Life Helping Funny People Be Funnier. That's a good title, by the way, Alan. I like that title. You know, once I came up with that subtitle, I said, okay, I know what this book is, you know, because I didn't want to have one of those uh, books that said, and then I wrote, and then I wrote. If I talked about my co-writers, the people I've had a chance to work with, well, then there was an emotionality involved in it. You know, there's something about, you know, especially if you work with a guy like Billy, you work with a guy like Marty Short, to, to, to write one-man shows for them, you've got to get inside their souls somehow and speak from within there. And those journeys are very, very um, intimate, as you can imagine. And, um, yeah, once I thought of that, I went, okay, let me talk about Gary Shanley. Let me talk about Gilda. Let me talk about the, uh, the personal aspect of those relationships. So, um, yeah, that took a little while, but um, when I got it, I said, okay, let's go. You know, Alan, it's so amazing because you knew these people. I did not know them, but I talked to every one of them over the years. I've been on the, the same morning show. You were on the morning show, as a matter of fact. Um, sure. I've been on the same morning show for the last 35 years, so I talked to all those people on that morning show. And you talk about professional people that actually cared how your show sounded when they were on it. They're just terrific guests, really good guests. Well, you know what it is? The trick is... Um when you're writing with somebody for that person, at best, you're vice president. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. you have to take your ego, put it over here on the side. They have to be comfortable enough to say what you've written as if they wrote it themselves. It has to sound natural yep. coming from their mouth. And if there's any discomfort at all, it's going to not ring true. It's going to be fraudulent. You know, so what happens a lot of times, you'll write a speech or a scene for somebody, and they don't care for it. They don't feel comfortable with it. So you sit down and you say, okay, this is why I wrote it. This is the beat. This is the emotional beat or the story beat that has to take place here. If you agree with that, let's rewrite it so you feel comfortable saying it. But this was the intent. So there's that kind of a um, a give and take kind of thing. Yeah, that makes total sense. Now, in your book, that you make a point that I, I just uh, I absolutely love. As a matter of fact, your book it's a great book with his tender, funny memoir. Four decades in the business, Ellen's Webell traces the history of American comedy. How did how did Lauren Michaels? Because you even you talk about in your book how you bombed. When it came to you, how did Lauren Michaels know? How does he know who's funny and who isn't? Well, Lauren is a genius, and, I, yeah. and there's many reasons for that um, that support that. But what he he was what he saw in me was a writer. He, he, he forget I, I wasn't an actor. I didn't right. want to be a comic. I, I was doing it as a means to an end. I was uh, wanted to advertise the material that I was writing with the hopes that a manager or an agent or somebody would walk into the club and say, wow, that's good material. Let me represent this guy mm-hmm. and trying to help him get a TV job. You know, that was the reason for doing it. Lauren, I was not going to dazzle anybody with my performance. I, I recited is what I did. <laughs> so he was listening to the material. Yep. Wanted to see more. I came in with what I believe were 1,100 of my best written jokes. Sure, <laughs> sure. 1,100. Uh, you know, and, um, and and he read one joke, and then he closed the book. He said, good, and he started asking me how much money I needed to live on and everything. I mean, he ultimately read all the jokes, and I'm sure he had to show it to the NBC executives. But um, he knew from the sensibility of one joke that, oh, okay, here's somebody that um, I could use, you know. You had a, a long history of working with Billy Crystal. How, how was it working with Haddish? Well, she was a real find. Um, we wrote the script, 
and that character was written sort of generically because we didn't know who it would be. We knew that the role of Charlie would be Billy. And since Billy was directing, it, you know, it gives you a leg up as a writer because you try to hook into his vision as to how the scenes will play out visually. Uh, we were wondering who would play Emma. And then Billy called me up on a Sunday. He said, did you watch SNL last night? I said, no, I DVR'd it. You know, I'm old now, so I don't think <laughs> so you still DVR. That's good. Yeah. Okay. But I DVR'd it, and Tiffany Haddish had uh, hosted the night before, won an Emmy for that performance. Mm -hmm. And I called him back, and I said, yeah, you're right. She's great. And um, there was an So we, we retooled, you know, that character for Tiffany, and the um, Billy got it to her, I guess, by way of agents. And when she got it, two things happened. One was she wanted to work with Billy Crystal. Mm -hmm. And secondly, she has a grandmother who uh, has dementia. And Billy's character in the movie has the onset of dementia. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there was an emotional tug right away. And she said, yeah, I want to do this. I think that's wonderful. The only thing I don't think is wonderful that I'm just about, Alan, you and I are probably you know, within 10 years of one another as far as age is concerned, but... Whether it's uh, Anthony Hopkins or Billy Crystal, I don't need guys who are just a little bit older than me getting uh, doing movies about getting dementia. I don't really need it, Alan. I got to be honest. Uh, there's a lot. I'm, I'm glad they're taking a look at it and all the rest of it, but it feels kind of uncomfortable when people in your not necessarily my generation. They're about a half a generation ahead of me, but you know, I loved Anthony. I love Anthony Hopkins, Billy Crystal, and these guys, and and I understand why it's happening, but it's a little hard to accept people just a little older than you being, well, he's old now, so he's got dementia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's not the case at all. What had happened was um, uh, when we conceived of the idea of Tiffany, and because was, uh, the springboard was um, a, uh, a story that I had told anecdotally as a guest on The Letterman Show. Mm-hmm. Billy called me up the next day and said, why don't we take that story and uh, make it the first scene of a movie uh, between an older guy and a younger woman? And I said, sure. And then we realized that we didn't want to do one of those movies where it was just about the age difference and the difference in culture and, mm -hmm. and, and all of that. About that time, my father started getting dementia, and Billy had an aunt, the same thing. And unfortunately, um, it, it's a thing. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's very real. Mm -hmm. So if you see the movie, you'll laugh your ass off. But at the same time, uh, the relationship between Billy and Tiffany is as such where at first it, it's just a pure friendship. Uh, and when she realizes what's going on with him, um, she becomes his muse. He's writing a book about a, a departed wife. He's having trouble, and he wants to finish before he loses all his words. And so uh, you'll, you'll cry at the end of the movie. Mm. I understand this. I understand um, why you know uh, the hesitation or the you know the feeling of oh God, I, I don't need to see this. But if you see this movie, boy, um, it's uh, really pretty powerful. Sure. The synergy between Tiffany and Billy, you asked how they went together, there's a, there's, a, a, there's a powerful sort of relationship going on there, and it's real funny, and then it becomes um, poignant. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to imply that I wouldn't want to see the movie, because if you wrote it and Billy and Tiffany are in it, I will see it. There's no question about that, and I want to talk more about it. It's just... One of those situations. Oh, you know, I did want to ask you one thing, Alan. You don't have to comment on this if you don't want to. But I, And I wasn't shocked by it. But one of the reasons I admire Billy Crystal so much is he hides from nothing. He'll do humor about it. He'll be serious about it, whatever. He doesn't hide from anything. And for Billy to come out uh, anti, uh, you know, this cancel culture thing, I was very proud of him. He didn't have to do that, but he doesn't like it. And he came out and said, I don't like this. I, li I admire that. Well, i got to tell you something. Um, no matter what, you know, aisle you sit on, whether it's the left or the right, mm -hmm. um, 
it's gone too far. Yes. Uh, I believe the same thing. A lot of us do that, um, wait a second, you know, this is who we as a culture were when this was written, when this was produced, when this was sung, you know, and and uh, if, if things are taken within the context of the times that they were done, there's an understanding of it. And if you want to put a positive spin, you, you can say, oh, look how far we've come. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yep. But to make believe it never happened um, and just to, to antiseptically whitewash everything and, and, and just, uh, you know, erase it, no. Mm-hmm. That's who we were. We have a culture. It didn't start yesterday. No, you're absolutely right about that. There is no question. Alan, I always like to ask people this question, and, you know, it's because of my own experience in my life. Was there one person when you were just a little boy, do you remember one person that you wanted to make laugh more than anybody else? Yeah, I had, I had a sister, a younger yep. sister, Fran. Um, she has since uh, passed on, but uh, about four years ago now. But she was um, two years younger than me. And if I made her laugh, I knew I was on to something. It was, there was <laughs> right. something about her um, assessment and, and her appreciation of what I wrote. Now, mind you, I've created a complete TV series that she didn't laugh once. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so unfortunately, there was an accuracy to her as a barometer, you know. <laughs> God, it's so funny. I was talking to uh, Tom Dreesen last week on this very show. Tom Dreesen was on last week. And I asked him that question, and he said, you know that I've asked every comedian I've ever worked with, did your father ever tell you he loved you or told you you were funny or said uh, that he you know, enjoyed being around you? He has yet to meet a comedian that said, yes, my father told me he loved me. None of them. Well, and- you know, there's a difference. You know, look, we're all dented cans. To a degree, okay. <laughs> yes, we are. It's, just, it's a matter of okay, how deep does the dent go? Yeah, if it is, you just dent the can. Well, we look at the world a little askew, but we can function. There are some people who it's not only is the can dent, it's, it's it's punctured, and the hole goes through the other side. Yeah, that, that, that's who you got to watch out for. And um, my parents were incredibly supportive. Now, mind you, um, they, uh, when I used to write jokes for comedians who worked in the Catskill Mountains, and I used to drive their car up there on a Friday or a Saturday night to see the comedians deliver my jokes, I'd get home at 4.30 in the morning. My dad would meet me at the door, and he'd make me breakfast and ask me how the jokes went. Oh, God. So I, I can't say, while I'm not a comedian, I'm a writer, I can say that uh, uh, I was very fortunate to have parents who were totally supportive. Uh, it would have been a, a, a different kind of hurdle and a different kind of problem if I didn't have that support. So I'm going to have Tom Dreesen call you, so you'll be the first guy that ever tells Tom Dreesen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give him my number and say it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Tom's a great guy, <clears throat> as a matter of fact. Yes, he is. So... It, isn't it hard? I mean, a lot, for a lot of people, it, it, it makes, you know, if, if mom or dad didn't love me enough or, need, you know, whatever the situation was or unrequited love of some kind, it's really easy to write jokes around that. But when you're fully supported, man, it takes even extra work to write jokes, doesn't it? Well, that's the thing. I always thought yeah. that my childhood was uh, more, uh, you know, if it was worse, I'd, I'd be more successful. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, you know, it, it was, um, I didn't write from an angry place where a lot of comedians do. Right. Okay? Where a lot of comedians or writers write from a place where there's a hole in their heart that has to be filled. Okay? Yep. Um, I, I'm not going to say that I'm a model of, of security, mind you. I would never make such a claim. But, you know, Neil Simon once referred to the comedy writer as a two-headed monster. One head goes through its day. It goes to the ATM. It gets stuck in traffic. It has a it has a tooth pulled, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, another head emerges, 
and hovers above the first head and makes fun of the life that that head is living. Okay? And um, I subscribe to that. I, 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 um, I, I can see where um, all my friends, you know, we have normal conversations and we have fun and this and that, but there's a certain bent. You know what I mean? And, the, uh, you know, and the little bit more um, insecure you are, uh, the little bit more bent <laughs> you are. Right. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, um, you know, it's, it's the way you look at the world. It's a mindset. And I don't, I don't know if you have a fairly stable life. I'm married 41 years, three kids, five grandchildren. Um, am I neurotic? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, always wondering, okay, what's the next gig? Oh, yeah. So it's weird that insecure people go into a very insecure business. And I think that that adds to the angst also. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. It, yeah, it does take either some strength or mental illness to go into a business where you're going to be treated poorly for the longest time before you break through. Oh, God, and how about the people who never break through? Yeah. If a singer, whether they're appreciated or not, there's always an applause at the end of the song, mm-hmm. okay? No yep. matter what, okay? If you're if you're on stage and you're a comic, you know immediately because they're either laughing or they're not. Mm. You yeah. know, and it, uh, it's a different kind of experience. I've written things for people, whether it's for the stage or TV or even the movies, because... Um, once you hear it said, it's it's different. It's now alive. Where when you write it, you think it's you're worthy of a Pulitzer, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you hear it said, you go, "What happened to those words between the time it left my head <laughs> until it went into the fingers on my keyboard? They 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 got destroyed. Something something is is they got derailed somehow. And it's it's always that I don't care who you are." Until you hear it read, to see if it's effective or not, to see if it's funny or not, um, you do hold your breath just a little bit. Alan, uh, I got to take about a two-minute break. Can we can you can we keep you for ten more minutes after a very quick break? Is that would that be all right? Yes. Yes, I'm here. All right, I want to open up the second bit uh, with the last time I ever talked to Don Rickles. It touches me to this day, I will tell you. We'll be right back with that and more with Alan. We're going to talk a lot about the movie here today with Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish, also right after this with the family. As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. Well, he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop. The My Slippers are designed to wear indoor and outdoor all day long. Made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue and made with quality leather suede. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable, you'll want to get some for the whole family, which is what we did. Call 1 800 516 5146 or use promo code TOM, of course. 1 800 516 5146. Use promo code TOM or go to mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use promo code TOM. You'll also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and MyPillow towel sets. Call 1 800 516 5146. Use promo code TOM. Dan Chesky is here from Dan Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fishing ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. There are definitely things to avoid during a Minnesota winter, like licking a flagpole or waiting too long to replace that car battery. 
but number one on the list is taking a chance on your furnace. Hey, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, reminding you that a furnace clean and tune will improve efficiency, reliability, and peace of mind. Or maybe it's time to take advantage of Sabre's rebates and upgrade to an energy-efficient Bryant system. Don't take chances on your comfort. Visit SabreHeating.com. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. I said, sisters, if you only knew, you would wish you were in my shoes. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Alan is with us. The movie's called Here Today, starring Billy Crystal and Tiffany Haddish, co-written by Billy and Alan, but uh, inspired by a short story written by Alan titled The Prize. Here today is in theaters now. Absolutely, we'll definitely see it, because Alan's involved, Billy's involved, Tiffany's involved, so we'll get it done. Very quickly, we're just talking about what's, what makes people laugh. Why do you want to make people laugh? Uh, last time I talked to Don Rickles, it's been you know several years now, obviously, <clears throat> but um, I was talking about a run, a, a run for your life episode with Ben Gazzara. Do you remember that show, Alan? I remember. I remember the the series Run for Your Life. Yes. yes. Uh, Don Rickles was a guest star on Run for Your Life with Ben Gazzara. He played a comedian named Willie Hatch. And the episode was called Down with Willie Hatch. And I, I said, Don, I'd like to talk to you about that episode. And he goes, you know that? I said, yeah, I love that episode. It, it meant a lot to me to watch that episode because what happens is kind of, and what, what, the reason I thought of it is like you are saying, when you bomb on stage, it's a whole different deal. So in the show, uh, Don Rickles' character is not loved by people. Then as it goes on, he's not even liked by people. And then at the very end, they will not laugh at any of his jokes. They boo him off the stage. Uh, and pretty much, it does not end well for Willie Hatch, played by Don Rickles. And I said, Mr. Rickles, i got to tell you, I was a little boy when I saw that many, many years ago. And I want to tell you, your acting in that was brilliant. I really felt that you, were, you, you felt that deeply, playing that character. Did that ever happen to you? And he just started crying. It was the cutest thing. I mean, not openly weeping, but he teared up. It was the, a very special moment in my life, I will tell you that, that he still felt whatever that was, that failure of his, that people scoffed at him and laughed at him, he still feels it. So that a lot of it comes from that, doesn't it, Alan? Yeah. It's amazing. You know, I've um, been around uh, comedians, well, my whole professional life, comic actors, even writers, but let's forget about writers for a second because they're behind the scenes. When you go on stage and you are, are trying to be funny, and like I just said before the break, you know, uh, a singer gets an applause whether they really yeah. like the song or not. Here it's about if you get booed off or Ooh. you get just uh, greeted with uh, or received with total silence, you know immediately that they're not liking you. And for in order for a comedian to be effective, uh, he's got to do a little bit of bearing his soul. One is getting up there on stage to begin with, and the very act of putting yourself out there, trying to elicit a laugh, um, there's a sensitivity that you feel. Uh, and and when, you, when you show the sensitivity... You are very receptive to hurt oh, yeah. because you're opening up your soul a little bit. I don't know one comedian or one comic actor, seriously, no matter how successful they are, who can't tell you what Rickles told you. Yep. Whether it's a nightclub they played in, in Kansas City in 1949 <laughs> or it was an episode of something, you know, uh, uh, it's something about you know you can do 99 get 99 standing ovations and the 100th that's the one you're going to remember because they hurt you you know it, 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 there's something that they rejected about you and um boy it just keeps going it does indeed it was a very, a very special moment i mean whether it's talking to you about it or tom Dreesen about it or don rickles and going down the list Comedy and writing comedy, performing comedy, going up on stage because you are very vulnerable there. If people think that's easy, they better think again. I will tell you that. <laughs> you know? Oh, we, we've seen it many times in TV shows and in movies. And, um, you know, look, 
let's look at the dynamics of it. You, you can make your family laugh. You can make your friends laugh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they know you. What you got to go do when you go on stage, there are strangers out there. And the reason that your friends laugh is they like you and they go along with it because they know your personality. You have got to convey that to your audience almost immediately for them to like what you're saying. Jokes are one thing, but when you're talking about presenting a character, especially if you're just being yourself, you're putting yourself out there. And you are subjecting yourself uh, to rejection. That's yeah, tough. That's exactly it. And that's what Don felt when I asked him that question. He, it was like he felt it all over again, Alan. It was really weird. Well, it wasn't mm-hmm. weird. I knew what, what he was feeling. But all these years later, it affected him that much. It was amazing. Yeah, it, 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 there's a sense memory that um, all comics have that um, just like you remember how you were hurt if uh, a, a girl you had a crush on in seventh grade rejected you. You, you hear that so- a song that was popular then, and all of a sudden you go, ooh, you know? <laughs> That's true. Indelible yep. with other memory because it conjures up, oh, God, bad feelings. No, you're absolutely right. Now, we only have about four minutes left. I want to hear all about Here Today, starring Billy Crystal, Tiffany Haddish, written, of course, by Billy and Alan, based on a story written by Alan himself. Here Today is in theaters now. Is it also streaming, Alan? It will eventually, but right now the studio has taken a very brave um, Good. Uh, posture, and uh, now that movies are starting to open, you know, we, we ha- yes, there will be streaming ultimately. But what happened was before the pandemic hit, uh, we, the movie was done, you know, it was in a primitive form with like temporary music and whatever. Uh, we screened it at a theater in Pasadena. There was about 300 people in the audience. And we saw everybody laugh and cry at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we understood its effect on a little community experiencing the emotionality together. So as opposed to just sitting on your couch and... Uh, you know, you know, I, I, you know, when I'm promoting my book, you know, and I do it on Zoom, I can see in the gallery, you know, I'm telling my jokes, telling my story, and there are women who are knitting. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we had the benefit of experiencing an audience looking straight ahead at a screen and going for this emotional ride together, and we knew that that's the way it should be seen. So, yes, it will eventually be streaming, but at the moment, as theaters are opening up, that's where you can find it. How wide of a release does it have? Well, you know, when Sony first saw the movie, they um, said, okay, 500 uh, screens. Then they screened it for the exhibitors, and it went up to 1,200. So, um, you know, I think if anybody goes on Fandango or whatever, see what the nearest theater view that's uh, showing it. Yeah, I, I cannot wait to say Like I said, I've always been a huge Billy Crystal fan. I've been a huge fan of yours forever as well. It'll be interesting to see Billy working with Tiffany Haddish. It, it, it seems to me it probably worked out pretty well, huh? It worked out great. Like I said, there's an energy between the two of them, and there's a romance uh, that uh, where you believe they love each other. It, it's not, you know, it's sexless, but at the same time, there's real love between the two of them. And um, it's infectious. She's fantastic in it, and they're fantastic together. And Billy, who directed it, boy, I think you're going to be blown away by his performance. Uh, there's no question about that. Alan, do you remember the very first joke you ever heard to close things? Do you remember the very first joke you ever heard? very first joke I ever heard. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, I... Um, I wonder if I'm allowed to tell it. Well, I can tell mine first, and you can judge after that. Mine, very, very short. You ready? Go ahead. I was a little boy. Now, my wife is here, my daughter's here, my daughter-in-law is here. Uh, So I'm telling this in front of them. Very first joke I ever heard, I did not get the joke. I went like, what? What do you mean? What? What? Because I was a little boy. I was probably like six or seven years old, probably seven. The guy walks up, he goes, you want to hear a joke? And I go, yeah, okay. He goes... What did Dracula say to his math teacher? 
And I said, what? And he goes, when's your next period? But and I'm I went, bump. what? <laughs> I did not get the joke, obviously. Then I guess I can tell mine. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Alan. There you terrible go. terrible joke. That's why I, I didn't was, get it. I was a little kid, and our parents would take us up to the Catskill Mountains, where I'd see a lot of these comedians, and sure. I'd sneak into the uh, nightclubs because I was underage. The first joke I remember was a wife says to her husband, I want to have my breast enlarged. When I have an operation. He goes, what are you going to go through all that expense for? There's an easier way to do it. She said, what? He says, take a piece of toilet paper, scrunch it up, rub it on this, this breast, then rub it on that breast. Do that every morning. And she says, that will make my breast bigger? And he says, yeah, look what it's done to your ass. <laughs> what a close, Alan. What a closer. <laughs> like a stocky young. He would love that joke. He would love to tell him. Alan, always great to see your name on the docket. I, I wish you came back once a week. I, I love your work. Thank you, sir. Invite me anytime, and I'm here. I, I love being on your show. love talking to you. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Take care. Bye. 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 <laughs> Alan's Waybell, ladies and gentlemen. What a writer that guy is. You know what's so amazing about that, whether it's, you know, Alan or Don Rickles I mentioned or Tom Dreesen, whatever, when they really are supremely talented, they're the best people in the world. Mm-hmm. They're the easiest to talk to. They just you know, it's those guys that just got there, those men and women that just got there, they're a huge, massive pain in the ass. Yeah. Because they're not used to being famous yet. Yeah, and I think it's like a, once you've made it and you're like, I don't have to prove myself to yep. anybody anymore, yep. now I don't have to bang my chest and say how great I am, I could just be a normal human being. Yeah. Like, I think that's what it all boils down to. Yeah. Like, well, look what it did to your ass. That was pretty- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, Alan. No, I think that's a big part of it. I, I just... I love talking to comedians because I don't think the average person, they think, you know, oh, God, Don Rickles, man, he must be happy all the time, and his life must have been a thriller all no, no. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a lot of pain there, man. That that humor comes from somewhere. There's no doubt well, about that. You think on top of it, they're dealing with people that are drinking, and they're oh, dealing yeah. with yeah. people that are oh. in different states. You know, some people show up, and they're ready to laugh at anything, and other ones are just coming off uh, some big thing at work or yeah. some big fight, yep. and then they're trying to make all of them laugh, you know, yeah. and then, boom, it starts going sideways. And whoop, off it goes. And it's like the one—it's the one job that everybody in the room thinks that they can do better. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Person on stage, like, oh, that wasn't funny. Let me tell you how to make it funny. Nobody's going up to Michael Bryant, like, hey, you know what? Great closing argument, but uh, you should adjust this next time. You're You're no dial lawyers. That's all. Yeah, Yeah, you know Saul Goodman. Saul Goodman. No, better better call Saul. Better call Saul. Saul. Exactly. There you go. But. I love talking to guys like Alan because it just it reminds you of where. Now, tied into that, now where's comedy going to go after this? The, the cancel culture and the this and the that. And the reason I even bring that up, I never thought I would live to see the day because I grew up in North Minneapolis, Catholic, blacks, and Jews. That's who lived there. I never thought I would see the day where Jew after Jew after you Jew was criticizing Israel. I never, ever thought I would live to see that day, and I still don't understand what that's all about. I mean, even, well, Bernie Sanders, that lazy bastard. I mean, the reason he's going. Well, he got, he got kicked out of a kibbutz because he wouldn't work. I'm trying to connect all these dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah from comedians, that's how comedians to, works. to Bernie Sanders. Well, because it's how are you going to make anybody laugh anymore? I mean, there used to be, like, rules, and this is in this category, and that's in that category. But now you're seeing all these, you know, very political people going after Israel. And it seems to me that if Hamas was firing on me, I'd probably fire back, too. Okay. I'm, I'm still Yeah, trying. like what? comedians yeah, in no. Israel. You have to understand, comedian comes from reality, always. Comedy comes from reality. Okay. In every case. There's nothing funny right now. Yeah, there is. Like what? Well, there's people. There's uh, when you watch like when you trip and fall. I would laugh. Yeah, that's hilarious. (laughs) That's hilarious. But there's comedians still out there working and doing some good stuff. And you know, they went through. They've gone through a big period of a lot of dick jokes that are just like I agree. I I I don't. I don't. Yep. I, I, I don't get. But 
it's working for some people, and so that's what they go with. Um, but uh, there's comedians still doing some good stuff, and then there's some comedians doing some stuff that's getting hammered. But it you is. Know. No, I'm very, I'm very curious to see like now that Acme and you know House of Comedy, comedy clubs all across the nation are starting to open back yeah. up because going through such a sensitive time the last like year and a half, now it's going to bring more. I think great material, and it's going to be interesting to see how God, people react. Right. I think it's going to be interesting to see how people react to it. Are they going to kind of let their guard down and be like, okay, we can laugh at each other now? Right. Or are they going to continue to be sensitive? So, well, and how much? Some of them improved a lot with Zoom comedy shows. Yeah, that's because they didn't have crowds, and they right. and they had to date. They had to create something without having feedback, and so you watch some of them improve that. We're kind of stuck over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. but you yeah, know, true. it's it's true. it's still you know, there's still a group still just stuck in either doing their old act, you know, and I've seen that where they do an act you saw two years ago, and apparently for the last year haven't done anything, and then there's a group there's they're doing a lot of uh, of COVID stuff or a lot of mass stuff, and that'll have its 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 group, and then you got some doing political things, but you know, it works for some and doesn't work for others. Well, how long have we been doing the show? 20, 30 years? 30 years. This, I think it was, is it podcast? Nine, nine years or 30 Since years? One or the other. Yeah. It'll be nine in three months. Yeah and, yeah, and the comedians back nine years ago were saying, I got kicked out of, you know, whatever, yeah. and yeah. I can't work because yeah. I said this joke. Mm-hmm. People have been, I mean, it's, well, it, it, it isn't exactly today that saying. people are sensitive. People have been sensitive for an mm-hmm. incredibly yeah. long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah letting yeah. Bruce got thrown in jail. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's been ups and downs for all of them. Well, his oh, was mostly obscenity. Yeah. Back <laughs> in those days that you had, you know, mm-hmm. you couldn't save the Effenheimer. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I the mean, CS was the one that got him in big trouble. You couldn't say it. No, And he was like, I'm saying it anyway. Yeah, that's very true. But I just wish we'd get back to the days when Rickles would come out and make fun of black people. You know what I mean? What? Think we'll ever get back there, Kevin? I don't know why you're looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you were talking about Don Rickles, I was thinking he is the absolute poster boy of offensive. Well, there's no no, no doubt about it. And somebody that at one time he could do whatever he wanted. Yes, never again. And then, whoa, the stuff that he was saying, there's no way he could get away with it. But I I gotta believe a lot of people just either didn't go see him or left in the middle. Because he would be super offensive he to groups. He was horribly offensive. Yeah. I it was so, hilarious. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're, <laughs> if you're willing to accept you. it all, then it, it, it is what it is. But Well, look, that's like, you, you know. have to know, like, I would never just, I'm going to go see a comedian today and yeah. show up and act. Yeah, yeah. Be surprised. Because I would be, no, tons of people do that. <laughs> you see that it's all of a sudden shows the time. and see families are like, All the time it happens. Did you know who it was? Comedy is such a huge scope of what the comedian's going to talk about, and people just think like, "Oh, it'll be funny." Like there are definitely shows that I would be like. Yeah, working working at the House of Comedy, like my favorite was when like Joey Diaz or oh, Joey Diaz. Big J Ogerson oh my would come God. in, and you'd get people that were like, "Oh, we're just gonna see a comedy show on yeah. Thursday." No. Like, you guys are gonna be <laughs> gone in, in about it. ten minutes. You're not gonna last a minute. Well, that would be like going to a movie theater and just picking yeah, a random exactly. screen and going, "Okay, family, we're gonna see this movie and see what happens." <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. It could be literally like, anything. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Not good. See how yeah. it rolls. It's so weird that people do that yeah it's not smart two things that don rickles did he could probably get away with the frank sinatra one yeah he he get away with that but i remember he's sitting on the uh, dais on the tonight show and all of a sudden out of nowhere frank sinatra walks out from behind the curtain and as you know johnny's looking at the rickles rickles looking at johnny and before frank could even say a word or sit down (laughs) rickles says to him Oh, look at this. We got Frank Sinatra, nice Italian boy. Frank, let me make you feel at home. It was just hilarious the way he timed it out. Then the one where he's interviewing the 500-pound guy out in the audience, mm-hmm. and he says it again, what's your name, buddy? He goes, my name's Tiny. He goes, Tiny, huh? What's your wife, a waffle? I mean, <laughs> that's funny. But you couldn't tell that joke anymore, I bet. I bet you he could. Cause there's, there's like a five hundred pound guys. I don't know. If you're like the Dave Chappelle's, Bill Burr's, the world, like yeah, their last yeah. specials were highly yeah. like offensive. If That's you're going to be offended, yeah. and yes. but because it's them, they're like, oh, we're going to let them get away with it because it's an art form. So I think Rickles could get away with quite a bit. Yeah, that's a very good point because it is an art form. I yeah. wish people. I hope. Do you think people know that? No. 
They don't. Because do I think so like, that's the problem. People are used to if you're in a room with your friends making fun of each other and laughing. They're like, oh, well, you're now you're personally attacking me, making fun of me vibe and so they mm. take that mindset to the comedy club and they're like well he's personally attacking me they don't know you you're a bunch of strangers to here to laugh oh i remember trying let to, your guard down. i remember trying to make people laugh at cleveland one guy we we're jo joking around you know he used to be called capping on one another you would cap on something mm -hmm. right and this guy got so pissed off at me because we were all doing it and i was apparently he, i was better at it than he thought i should be because <laughs> he got really pissed off at me i was like when you settle down jesus you big baby so you guys think the comedy will come storming back? It'll I go along so. like it does, you know, and there'll yeah. be people that'll rise and, you know. Yeah, it's I think if be people funny, go though. back to, you know, telling their life, because I think the best comedy, the best comics are the ones who talk about their life and everything. Yeah, I think stuff. that's true. And don't yeah. focus on the trendy thing mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. happening. Right oh, yeah, now. trendy like, com comedy ages so it's poorly. It's so horrible it's because it's like the new, tr the next trend, and then yeah. they're not even going to care Six about months later, trend. your yeah. material's already old. So, and like, the best comic like comedy shows that I've seen, like we love Joe Coy because he talks mm -hmm. all about yeah, his Coy's son all guy. the time yep. and his mother and yeah, he's like, hilarious. He's hilarious. Yeah. Or we just watched um, one of Brian Regan's specials. Mm -hmm. We like Brian Regan because very funny. He's funny, but he's also not vulgar. Yeah, <laughs> which no, is hard to find. So it's just like, well, and it's like some people do vulgar and stupid in a better way than others well yeah, yes. yeah. like you know Smart. like yeah, yeah. Doing like, intelligent yeah. Well, like nick swartzen yeah. his comedy like you would not think that i would be like an audience that would be like oh he's hilarious but i really like his comedy because he's just like goofy and silly yeah. about it yeah, he's he not is. just like i don't know but some I'm people just about, take like, it so I'm about, like people like dane cook who dropped the f, f bomb yeah in five right yeah he was that's all he can think of to say yeah. Yeah. Never he was huge though yeah. for a while he was, he was so huge i don't understand he did have really funny part like really funny little bits he was better in the beginning yeah, he was yeah, way like better the in the beginning. Just terrible. He got his legion of fourteen-year-old boy crowd. <laughs> I never. And I that's when he got bad. Well, because that's like a fourteen-year-old boy. You just swear on stage, and they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, this right. is so edgy. That's yeah. comedy for you." No, but all you have to do is look up his bit on the atheist, and you will just die because it's hilarious yep but it's that's very literally animated. the only one that is good. That I like. The only good. <laughs> one thing you is gotta he, say in his defense. His own brother stole tens of millions oh, of dollars. Yeah. That's, that's nice. crazy. That'll ruin your sense of humor right yeah. there. Aww. And you know his brother still won't tell him where it is. He yeah. buried the money, cash. Oh he took gosh. it in cash and Sounds like buried. a gun to his head might be in order. <laughs> <laughs> you like, will be telling me. It sounds like I'm where burying my brother is. as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're next. I get buried. No, I, I, man, that's that. Uh, so I was just thinking about painful. Eddie Murphy, how hilarious he was for so many years, yeah. and then he all of a sudden got into got that horrible. women are just a bunch of leeches and oh, women. Yeah. He did? Yeah, he was terrible. He for got him. very bitter. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. He, still he wasn't going to get bitter, married because women just want your money and they're just all a bunch of, you know, yeah. yeah. I think he someone was heard not him. your head over here. Not his head over here. I'm just going to be quiet. we got to take a break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. The whole cast is here. Kostaki will join us for about 15 minutes at the Speaking end of the Speaking of leeches. Speaking of leeches. Greek leeches, you know. We'll be back with the family. Captain.